I wonder what the uh, worst example of evangelism is that you've ever seen. Give you a couple of seconds to think about that. The worst example of evangelism you've ever seen. Um, I think for a lot of Christians, they uh, might naturally go to the street preacher who's uh, shouting about uh, hell as people try and get their morning coffees uh, up on standing on a milk crate or something like that. Well, uh, I want to tell you about my journey with the, the street preacher. Uh, I wasn't converted by one, but I did used to enjoy feeling self-righteously better than my brothers and sisters who stood on milk crates and preached the fires of hell and the need for Jesus on the street corner. I used to feel all awkward and I'd walk past them and I'd think, oh, they're making it so much more difficult for me to uh, be a Christian. And then uh, I realised what was actually going on, which was the street preacher was doing something that I wasn't doing which was telling people about Jesus. And actually, if uh, he and I were standing before the Lord, whilst God might have had something to say about his choice of effective methods, at least he was having a crack. And in fact, the greater threat to my friends was not some bloke on a milk crate, but it was my lack of confidence or desire to share my faith with my friends. He was having a crack and I was doing nothing. And so uh, I begin with that story and that example because uh, what I want to say today really is if we are people who believe in a sovereign God who is in control of this world then uh, though he has given us the task of making disciples, we do it under his authority, we do it with him, through him and by him, and in fact, he is the one who is saving souls. What he's asked us to do is have a, have a crack at telling people the good news so that he might use that communication of the message to bring about the salvation of many men and women. So I want to encourage you today to just have a crack because even the most polished of evangelists is as powerless as the street, the ineffective hellfire street preacher or you or me without the spirit of God, without the power of God. And God uses the weak things of the world to shame the strong, Paul tells us in Corinthians. God is in the business of turning lives upside down in ways that we would least expect it. So as we come to rounding out this series on evangelism, and as we come to thinking about how we can do it, let me start first with an encouragement to just do it. Or uh, as uh, uh, my uh, first ever first aid lecturer said, have a go, you mug. 
every time she said, someone's just there dying, have a go, you mug. And that's exactly the same uh, thing I want to say to you today uh, when it comes to evangelism. Just have a go. Well, let me remind you where we've been so far. We started uh, in week one by rem remembering that uh, evangelism is the task of disciple-making that Jesus gives to us. Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. Uh, and uh, last week I shared with you uh, a, a long-form definition from Sam Chan about what evangelism is. I've shortened it for you this week. Uh, effectively what we're talking about is we're talking about our human efforts of proclaiming the message that Jesus Christ is Lord to those who don't yet believe. And we do so with the hope that our audience will respond by trusting, repenting, following and obeying Jesus. And we also saw last week that though God specifically gifts some with the gift of evangelism, that's a gift for equipping us. And all of us have the job of sharing our faith. All of us are tasked with being ready to speak of what our hearts are full of. And we talked last week about Jesus' uh, instructions to us to remain in him so that we will bear much fruit. If you're having an evangelism problem, then maybe that's actually indicative of a heart problem. Jesus says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, it doesn't mean that um, it's not going to be hard or difficult or scary. And we saw last week how uh, just a few verses later, Jesus talks about followers of Jesus are going to get their heads chopped off when they stick them up and say, hello, Jesus follower here, because that's what the world did to Jesus, right? The world crucified him and it may crucify you but for some it will lead to eternal life and that's a risk worth taking so when should you do evangelism and what our reading today tells us uh, when it's talking about faith sharing and not Jesus preaching in hell which is a different sermon for a different day is that we need to be ready to do it at any moment. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Again, we see, don't we, uh, that as Christians, people are going to talk badly about us regardless of whether we upturn a milk crate and, and, and preach the gospel there or whether we just try and go about our business in daily life and share our faith. But as long as we're seeking to live out the gospel in all of life, not being hypocritical but uh, allowing God to transform us and then being ready to give an answer for why we live differently, then God will use that 
We see it again in Colossians 4 verses 5 and 6. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So when it comes to sharing our faith, we need to be ready because a lot of our opportunities will be uh, will come to us as we start praying for our friends remember that Andrea gave us the the list last week of five friends to pray for here's what I tell what what happens when you write down five names and start praying for them uh, suddenly you have opportunities like the ones that are described in uh, 1 Peter or Colossians to to share something so we need to be ready for that and we get ready for that by being people who are remaining in the vine, who are remaining in Jesus so that we've got something to say. But of course, we also need to be proactive as well. I once heard uh, Rico Tice, who's an evangelist in England, uh, tell a story of a, a friend of his who he played rugby with who... Uh, found out he was a minister, uh, and, just, and this was in the early days of the internet, uh, found his way to the church's website and listened to one of his evangelistic sermons and then was, stopped talking to him at rugby practice and so he went up and said, what's wrong? And he said, I thought we were friends but I heard what you believe and you'd never shared it with me and I'm, I'm upset about that because you think I'm going to hell and you'd never told me. We need to be proactive as well as reactive. We should want to have a chance to tell people the good news if we love them, if we believe that salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone. So, how can we be proactive in sharing of our faith? Uh, what I'm going to do now is give you Chris Bowditch's sort of 10-minute summary of this book, which you will think is very good and will want to purchase. Um, so here it is. It looks like this. How to, be, how to talk about Jesus without being that guy. Highly recommended. Uh, it is on the, the, the list. It's the first book on the list of books of 10 books every Christian should read according to me. Um, so there you go, uh, that one, it's bright yellow, you can't miss it, available at all good online bookstores. He gives us some tips and that's what I want to do now, is just kind of run through that and sort of talk about uh, how I have or have not successfully done some of these things. And Andrew mentioned this in the first week, but the first thing he uh, talks about in the book is that um, in order for us to share our faith, we need to make it plausible that people uh, actually think Christianity might, there might be something to it. And the best way to make that happen is for our friends who don't know Jesus to meet people who do know Jesus. And so Sam calls this merging our universes. We need to be a little bit more strategic than we often are in thinking about who we invite to our dinner parties, who we invite to our 
children's birthday parties. And when we're at those dinner parties or birthday parties, who it is that we spend time getting to know and talking to. Because if the uh, friends of my uh, uh, daughter's, uh, if the parents of my daughter's um, friends uh, start getting to know me and Elisa, well, that's good, but how much better if they get to know some of you as well? So that they now know four or five or six Christians. And so what this means is they see that, that, that our faith is real, that it impacts our lives. It makes it plausible when we share our faith. Instead of uh, our faith being shared and them just putting it through their pre-existing uh, Christians are bigots uh, filter. Introducing your friends to other Christians is a, is a way of making the gospel plausible. And in fact, Paul did this. We read in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5, Our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. And often we leave it there. That's what we need for gospel sharing. But right, the next sentence, he says, you know how we lived among you for your sake. Uh, the, 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 the gospel is shared in the context of life on life together. And through that, the spirit comes powerfully as the word is preached and lives are changed. Now, how are you going to do that? How do you merge your universes? Well, the next piece of advice, very practical, is that you need to go to their things so that they will come to yours. And uh, this is also biblical. Uh, Sam Chan points out in his book that this is what Jesus does all the time, right? So if you read uh, Luke 7 or Luke 14, there's stories in those chapters of Jesus actually responding to the invitation and hospitality of others, which opens up an opportunity for him to share his message with them. In fact, Jesus is so good at going to other people's things that the religious hypocrites of the day accuse him of spending too much time with the wrong sort of people. We need to go to other people's things, even things we might not wish to go to. Now, we must remember that we're not Jesus. So uh, there, there, there are boundaries to this, of course. But nonetheless, if we want to invite someone to Alpha or to the kids' Christmas service or whatever it might be, it's going to be much more likely because of social convention that they come if we've gone to one of their things, a, a birthday party, a concert. Unfortunately, your friend who thinks they're a good singer in a choir, you need to go and listen to that. Uh, <laughs> I need to go and watch all my uh, daughter's friends dance in their concerts um, for the sake of the gospel. Uh, and a chance to invite them to something of mine. And of course, we do these things because we want to have a chance to build relationships because actually we need a context of relationship to share the deeper things of life. And uh, we know that people 
uh, generally in conversation, like to keep things at the interests level. Interests, uh, when we talk about things like the weather, the footy, etc., etc., those things that are simple and easy to talk about. But we're never going to get to the gospel. If you're like, hey, how's the weather? How's the weather? Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm enjoying the sunshine. Yeah, great. Did you watch the footy on the weekend? Yeah, no worries. Can I tell you about Jesus? That's a big jump, right? You've missed a step or two. Because the next thing that needs to happen is you, you, the conversation will progress from those small talk issues, interests, to values. People's perspectives and opinions about different things. Uh, what do you think about that thing you read in the news, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're starting to have those kind of conversations, well, then you can maybe even go a step further, which is trying to unpick why you think those things. And uh, in the book, he, he, he very helpfully talks about this as th these three levels of interests, values and worldview happening over... Co coffee, dinner, and then the gospel. That is, if you want to have these kind of conversations, it, it takes multiple hangouts, and the different contexts in which you hang out with people might give you a clue for what kind of conversation you can have. When you have coffee with someone, it's likely that it stays on the interest level. But when you invite them for dinner, it might go a little bit deeper into values, and maybe on the, uh, after a couple of dinners, you get to that deeper worldview question. One of the awkward things about being a minister is uh, my conversations always jump from interest to worldview straight away. Uh, so, because we go, hey, how you going? Yeah, good, my name's Chris. Yeah, nice to meet you. You're Bill. Right, fantastic. What do you do for work? I'm an investment banker. Oh, what are you doing in Tasmania? Uh, um, what do you do? Uh, my name, uh, I'm a minister at an Anglican church. And it gets really awkward, right? Because uh, suddenly I'm talking about religion and we've jumped way past uh, the footy that we were meant to talk about next. But people uh, will invite you deeper. People will drop hints that they're ready to progress to the next level. People will ask you questions. And uh, often what happens is after we recover from the awkwardness that I've just brought up religion, they'll either take a moment to ask me a question about that or they'll quickly take the conversation back to uh, interests. You want to progress your conversation, then you need to be good at asking genuine questions. And you need to be good at that because... Uh, one of the things that people who talk about evangelism talk, talk about is that if you want to think about how to do it well, think about how you'd like to be evangelised. Like if someone was trying to convince you that something really important was really true and you weren't sure, how do you think that would be effectively done? And for most people, if they think about it, they'd answer well, the person would ask me questions and I'd ask them questions. And when, when I was talking, they would listen to me and uh, really listen to me. And so we need to do that too. We need to ask good questions and we need to listen well to the responses. 
we also need to make sure that when we do get to sharing the gospel, that it's a story that people think is good. So often when we talk about Jesus, we tell our friends a story that sounds like bad news to them. It sounds like good news to us because we've been well-versed in the world of Scripture. But we have to spend time listening and asking questions to our friends to understand their worldview so that we can understand that if we say to our friends something like, well, when I became a Christian, I realised I was living life my own way, doing whatever I wanted, but now because of Jesus, I've submitted my life to his authority and I'm now living uh, under his rule and... um, Uh, that's uh, wonderful and I found that so life-giving, our friends are probably going to think we've been brainwashed into a cult because how could it not be good news that you were living life your own way? That's what it is to be human, think most of our friends and family today. Now, of course, it's not, we know that, But when we share our faith, we've got to think about how it's going to sound and we've got to do the hard work of sharing about our faith in a way that sounds like it's good news. Uh, Once I was having dinner with some people and uh, in the context of the conversation, I got asked, what is the meaning of life? And uh, I thought to myself, I am not prepared for this moment. Uh, and there's all sorts of opportunities you have there and I didn't take this one as well as I should have like anything you, you get you get it right three days later but what I needed to do as I listened uh, to that person explain why they were wondering about the meaning of life is try and figure out how to connect the gospel to that particular one and for them it was about financial things not um providing as much meaning as they had hoped for. And I I needed to think about a way to connect the scriptures to that story. To tell my story if it connected. And of course the other thing we can do is simply say, you know, that's a really good question. The Bible's got a lot to say about life. Would you like to read it with me? That's the go-to answer that I'm trying to get when I don't know what to say? Yeah, that's a really good question. The Bible's got a lot to say about whatever it is. Would you like to read it with me? Two more points. And then you'll be buying this book on your phones uh, after that. He says, you need to become their unofficial chaplain. Once your friends know you're a Christian, it's likely that you're going to be their only connection to the sacred. People don't know many Christians, or if they do know one, they don't know that they are one. Studies show this. People are lucky if they they can identify one Christian person in their life. So it's highly likely that you're going to be the only religious person that they know, which means you've got a chance to show them something of who Jesus is just in the way you interact by being like a chaplain, being interested in them, caring for them, ready to help them, ready to connect them to the spiritual, even if they've shown very little interest. I had a moment 
like this uh, a few years ago when my friend passed away in a boating accident. Suddenly, uh, I was the chaplain of the gym because that's where I'd met him and he'd taken three other blokes with him and they'd all passed away as well. And everyone was reeling and nobody knew what to do. And as the Christian there, I, I, I was the only one who had an answer about death. And years later, I've, I, I've seen some of the staff at the gym uh, here in Lindisfarne at the shops and, uh, or, and they still come up to me and talk to me. I remember their names. I ask how they're going. The gospel was shared. Jesus' love was shown. Revival didn't break out, but seeds were planted. And that's how it goes with evangelism. You're not a failure if you don't capitalise on every opportunity by uh, getting a, a, a soul uh, ticked off uh, into heaven. Because you're not doing that anyway. That's up to God. But what he does expect is that we take every opportunity to share our faith and that we're ready because at the end of the day, it's going to happen when we least expect it. We can make plans, we can make strategies, we can be merging our universes and thinking about our conversations and how we're progressing them uh, from the interest level to the worldview level and we can be doing all this stuff and then God's just going to bring some random person along that you demonstrate love to and give an answer to and they're going to respond with faith. Think about that in this church. All the things we've been trying to do and the people we've been trying to reach and then in recent times having grace uh, come to know the Lord effectively out of nowhere because we were ready when God brought them into our lives. Let me encourage you to be ready to share and to ask God to help you overcome your fear, trust that he is in control and seek the good news of others. Uh, the good, seek to tell the good news to others. Amen. Mm -hmm.